Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. My name's Jo. And I'm Jerry, and this is the final podcast for Series 5, which is quite hard to believe. This series, we've been looking at the ingredients of a great social worker. Um, we've looked at the professional capabilities framework across all nine domains, and we've also done some B podcasts, uh, a couple of second podcasts um, on particular months. And those were around kind of important stuff that came up and actually mostly were relating to the pandemic, because this has really been the year of COVID-19. And our last review of the year in March 2020 was primarily a podcast around the pandemic um, and how we could try to get through it. And we've done podcasts throughout the year around ethics, uh, um, a practice during a pandemic, around self-care and around loss. And our podcasts about social work capabilities are brought in thinking and learning about how to respond to COVID-19. Um, we'll be doing a podcast on homeworking in our next set of podcasts as well. Yes, so thank you to everyone who's listened, shared and helped spread the word. Um, we've had almost 90,000 downloads. We've released over 100 episodes and we've been going for five years, actually, and, and we've had wonderful feedback. So thank you so much. And do continue to tell us what you think by visiting our website, www.helpfulsocialwork.com or by commenting on iTunes or Spotify or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. We love hearing from you and we love the ideas that people send in for us on topics to podcast on. So fantastic. So here we are at the end of Series 5 and um, Episode 10B is always our review of the year, looking back over the last 12 months. And we're going to start off with kind of how this year felt overall and then highlight some of the main events um, and then think about particularly what's been helpful and what's hopeful for next year. So, yeah, how, how has this year felt, Joe? Ah, oh, yes. Like a roller coaster, Jerry. Like a roller coaster. I think that I have felt every single emotion that it's possible to feel over the past 12 months. Um, I've known times of, of real despair and sorrow and fear alongside times of such hope and joy. I think for me overall, what will remain with me is the abiding feeling of the love, generosity and companionship that I felt from my colleagues and my friends. And it's been also a really intense time of political activity and outrage for me. Um, you know, the fact that the pandemic has really highlighted the terrible inequalities amongst people living on this planet is really stark close to home, the vastly different experiences of people in this country has highlighted that our response to poverty is just not good enough. The Black Lives Matters movement has been both hopeful and energising and, and shaming. Mm -hmm. So every feeling possible in one 12 months, um, and I have a feeling we're not at the end of the ride yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess lastly, I'd like to say to everyone who's listening to this, I, I think of you and I hope you're doing okay in this turbulence. I know that people have lost so much in this pandemic. And, and if you are one of those people, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's that's really conveyed some of the essence of this year. The, the contrast for me has been um, really, really stark. The, the, um, the struggle and the loss and also the connection and collaboration and care that there's been mm. and 
I think throughout the, um, the pandemic, you know, we talked about this last March, trying to take it um, kind of day by day and connect with people and um, use ethics to find the way through. I think that's been been the experience um, that the the positive things about humanity have kind of guided us through it, but it's also pushed people to the edges of what humans can cope with and um, and the struggle. And social workers have been right in the middle of that personally and professionally. Yeah, it's um it it's been a time where we've learned a lot, I think, and and for me there's been like. I could never have imagined before this pandemic that I would be with my company building a virtual learning environment to respond to social workers' learning needs mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have thought that there would be enough of a market there. And one of the things that's truly impressed me has been how social workers have really taken to new ways of working, that they have grabbed you know the digital possibilities and that they've pushed them to the limit and really tried to find ways to respond to people and to and to carry out their work and I think that's been that's been quite inspiring actually. Yeah I think the first thing to highlight about the year has been has been that radical change in our ways of working, our lives and our professional lives and social works um, kind of practice and approach um, you know, we've we've got a whole new language around around life lockdowns furlough mm. shielding uh, we've got yeah. a whole new approaches to social work um, things that were kind of in their infancy that have accelerated so rapidly um, virtual multidisciplinary meetings virtual courts uh, lots of um, virtual conversations and assessments and, and visits being done in different ways and there's still been in the midst of all that virtual work and home working there's been a lot of face-to-face -face work that's gone on I think something that the public don't necessarily appreciate is that social workers are still out taking risks visiting people mm. social workers are still living with people so if you think about um, residential workers mm. you know they're still in homes working with people um sleeping over uh, doing all the things that you would do in a in a household um so yes there there is a lot of face to face work that's still going on yeah and, and that's that's um replicated across the globe and very you know, different in different places um but i think social work has been absolutely in the midst of things and um the thing that i think has really come through strongly in, in practice as well as all the changes is the is the the kind of rock solid constancy of the ethics and the human rights practice and the relational practice. Mm -hmm. So back in March, we were saying, um, you know, how will we work through this? Well, we'll take the principles and transfer them, you know, the things that we know work, the ethics that, um, that, that we use and the approaches that we use, the relational work that we do. That's exactly what's needed. Um, and we've seen how positive um, the you know how strong the foundations of social work are I think within mm. this yeah I've loved the willingness of people to listen and think about their work in terms of ethics and human rights 
and it feels like a really important breakthrough for me that has taken a, quite a long time to seed because busyness as usual has been interrupted. And although many of us have remained busy and, and over busy, it was different. And so difference can create space for good change. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that one of the good changes has been these really rich conversations on, okay, what do we lean on? Well, we lean on our ethics. We lean on human rights. We start to think about principles of do no harm. We start to think about, you know, um, how we can actually enhance people's lives and dignities very actively in this new world. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, has then gone, okay, well, well how is how when we go back or how when in this new world can we continue to practice in those ways? And I think that that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, and I think the, the again, there's a, maybe a contrasting theme here, which is the the renewed awareness of just how far we have to go for that idea of everyone living with dignity and mm. um, everyone being able to exercise their human rights to be possible. So we from the start I think of, of COVID um, there was a, a dawning awareness of the inequality that this mm. would have um, you know, of, of risk that people face and of impact that this would have on people um, that's been borne out really sadly um, through the evidence um, more than maybe we would even have thought it mm. could be and we've also faced a renewed um, and you know um, a call for, for anti-oppressive practice around racism particularly. So you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement. I think the, the murder of George Floyd last summer was a, last May was a kind of a really tragic reminder of um, of just how limited our progress has been. Um, mm. And I think Equality, diversity, and inclusion, anti-oppressive practice, anti-racism have all become much higher profile, but also are being actualised much more. There's been some really wonderful activism, um, mm. and yeah, the, there's 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 a long history of social work striving to do this work and not making the progress it needs to. And I feel like we've got um, a renewed energy that will give us some some real chance to make progress but as, alongside that of course we are seeing huge inequality um lots of oppression um in the uk and around the globe um some you know i'm, I'm going to be doing a an event for world social work month thinking about populism and populist policies and we've talked about this in previous podcasts mm -hmm. you know, there are some really um some really some policy some really oppressive policies out there and we know that there's, um, there's a rise in some forms of hate, for example, anti-Semitism. So we've got we've got this kind of growing awareness and growing urgency and growing passion in a in a really unequal context at the moment. Mm. And this is such important work for all social workers to be doing. And I'd, I'd really I attended a wonderful workshop um, run by um, Social Workers Rise Against Racism the other night and it really made me think um, and I wouldn't have been able to physically get into this event but having it online made it possible mm. which was fantastic and um, if I could just do a shout out for them their Twitter handle is um, at capital SWA and then the rest of the word action 21 so 
um, SW Action 21 with SW and A all being capitals. And it's really worth um, having a look at them because they're doing some fantastic stuff. And for me, you know, they, they had such a, a diverse group of people and it would be really great to see social workers getting involved mm. with um, some of these movements. Yeah, and I think um, the another kind of theme to think about is is the social policy change that there's been. I mean, mm. and we're focusing on the on the UK, uh, but globally as well. Your governments and societies have had to change the way that they they live and 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 manage. Um, and actually, some of the things that have happened in the UK to respond to the needs of the pandemic have been quite. Um, quite positive in terms of the social um, net, the, the kind of social security, yes. social protection. So there has been payment for people on furlough. There's been a pause on evictions. There's been a real drive to make sure that people who don't have a roof over their heads um, have somewhere to live. And I think there's been some additional public awareness. You know, in, in England, um, particularly, we've had a campaign around free school meals and real public mm. awareness of the need for that, thanks to uh, Marcus Rashford and other activists. Um, there's a massive campaign on the moment for universal credit increase to remain um, after September. I think it is when it's it's due to um, to to go back to a really um, a really appallingly low amount. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's some kind of ways in which society and poli politics have kind of come together to to look after people. Yeah, there's a chance for us to reinvigorate the social contract, isn't there? And to really understand that the social contract is for all of us, because I think one of the great things about what has happened is that we have all benefited from the social welfare net, all of us. You know, any one of us that has had an injection mm. gone down to our local health clinic or wherever, rolled up our sleeve and got that injection for free, that is a direct benefit of the social contract um, that we have. And I think that, you know, we don't want to lose that understanding that it's not just us and them. It is actually something that benefits society overall. Yeah, I, I mean, alongside that, there has been um, some... Uh, you know, some some kind of threats to human rights. Some of the mm -hmm. public health measures are in conflict with human rights. And so there's a real need to kind of be wary of the way that um, that power is used. And there's a, there's a big debate about how we balance civil liberties with public health. And I think that's a really mm -hmm. healthy debate to have alongside the debate about the public, um, about that around the social contract. Uh, I think there's there's also been some some risk over this year about um, shortcuts. Yeah, we've talked about this in our podcasts around mm. if you're trying to deliver services and there's constraints because of a pandemic, um, how do you make sure that you still are procedurally fair, that you still prioritise people, that people still get the, the, the in our case the care and support that they they really need, um, that we don't remove safeguards. And so, for example, there's been challenges around people with uh, autism and a learning disability living with dementia being able to go out and exercise more or be outside more than the, the general government um, rules allowed. And there's also been challenges around care home visits. And there's been pushback around moves to 
reduce the safeguards in England around children's services. Um, mm. And that was successful. All of these all of these campaigns, I think, have shown a real vigour in um, in fighting for human rights and, and not to, not for those not to be weakened. Mm. And I think that's, again, something that we have to be. Yeah, it's made us more conscious, maybe it's certainly made me, me more conscious. Yeah, there's also been um, the impact um, around COVID on domestic violence you know, homelessness and mental health has really been exacerbated by this pandemic. And there has been attention and discussion about those issues. And they've always been there. But, you know, it's clear now we really need to reach for change and find innovative ways to be helpful in these areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that we won't keep talking about some of these issues, but that we'll actually, you know, reach reach for um, solutions and helpfulness. And I think a a way that that's some commonality across those areas and um, areas like rehabilitation, for example, for people who've got long COVID, I think there's a, com- a common theme there as well, which is that we've, we've realised anew how much we need the early help and the preventative mm. um, services. And because a lot of those have been paused you know, a lot of them have been cut over the last 10 years of, of austerity yeah. in this country, but there's also been a, a pause on some of those, many of those, because people haven't been able to keep them going mm-hmm. um, with restrictions on uh, social distancing and things like that. So you see the loss of that, don't you? Um, Absolutely. And the loss of those universal services, I think that people have had a far greater appreciation of education as well. And mm-hmm. so in, in a way, there's been... There's been much more recognition of the importance of the helping professions, the importance of universal services, the importance of, of kind of responsive services and support services and early services. And and within that, I think some additional recognition of social work. I do I do hear from a lot of social workers that the recognition hasn't been enough. I think that's fair. I think social workers are kind of and social care are kind of added on after health mm-hmm. um, in England and the UK, particularly because there's a real um, public love for the NHS. People forget that social care and social work go alongside that. You can't have health care without social care. And social workers work in the NHS as well. So, you know, we have um, we have a way to go, I think, for, for recognition. But I think that is growing a little bit. And I think there's been more recognition as well of the importance of public health, which has been something that has been kind of in the background, but not really thought about um, that much by citizens. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things about us as a profession, the social work profession, and I know we've we've talked about this many times, and I bang on about it all the time, but there's something about us um, kind of finding a way to be identifiable as a profession and actually be clear about um, our workplace rights um, and understand our working conditions and understand how we can kind of, you know, um, promote better and safer working for us and strong recognition for us so that that creates more resilience and more ability in us as a profession to actually contribute meaningfully to the communities that we work in Mm -hmm. um, and to make a more visible difference because we are making a more visible difference, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I do think there is something about us um, as a profession continuing to have these conversations and think about, well, if we didn't feel we were recognised enough, 
why not? How do we change that? What what's happening in the system that is making that that work invisible? Um, yeah. You know, and how does how does us being invisible impact then on the people we're trying to work with? Because I believe that our invisibility would spread across to them. So are they invisible as well? And that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. So there's there's something about um, continuing to have discussions about the potential of social work and how we can learn from people across the world um, and, and, and how we can really strengthen our contribution. Yes, I think the social work often at its best is quite invisible because it's about being alongside people getting on and living their lives um, mm. so you don't necessarily see all the, the skill and expertise and experience that goes into that what you hopefully see is is things working as they should mm-hmm. and and you're right as well we, we work with people who are really marginalized so social workers are out in places that often aren't aren't made visible by the mm-hmm. press by politicians um, and so the advocacy role of social work um, for itself, for its potential and for the support that we need as social workers to be able to help others. And also for the for the work, you know, the the, the, peop- the, the kind of impact that that can have um, and, mm. the, and the communities that um, that we can work with to, and how we can benefit that, I think, is really important. And I think the potential of social work um, has shown again, been really shown in this last year around working in disasters there's been a lot of um of development of our understanding of the social work role in disasters um a lot of that led from the uk by lena de Manali, who was at durham university now at sterling uh who's written um with baswa a um a guide to the role of social work in disasters and pandemics and their aftermath so thinking about the rebuilding and recovery role as well and that's building on work that's been happening across across the globe so there's there's again, there's a real scope there, um, but we also have a situation. We've just had a budget in uh, in, Eng- mm. in in the UK, and and for, for England, there was no mention of social care um, no. or funding. And without the resource and without the kind of public and political backing, it it's it's very it's much harder to do this work and to to realise the potential of social work. Yeah, I think in the I devolved think that... nations, there's more of a commitment to um, to that discussion about supporting communities um, and the funding for that. Yeah. No, it's it's this is this is just important for us to keep thinking about and and articulating and challenging, um, you know, for for us as a profession and and for the people that we represent. But um, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I've been thinking about and I is is that emotional impact of this year on social work because one of the things that I've been doing a lot of as you know is a lot of coaching um, through the professional support service that BASWA provides um, and also working with lots of different authorities and one of the things that has been interesting to me is kind of the the lack of slack for want of word or the lack of recognition of the the shared trauma mm. so you know that kind of ability for people to actually just be able to stop and sit with each other and talk like we did about how the years felt 
um, and about how we've all experienced trauma, you know, that this has been an incredible life experience to live through and it has forced change upon us and that is traumatic for us um and you know we've lost people but we've also lost some kind some of us have lost autonomy some of us have lost space some of us have lost income there's been all sorts of losses around um and for me one of the pieces of work i've been doing is actually sitting with social workers and asking them to talk about things you think about when we ask social workers to tell us about what brings them joy mm. um and some of those conversations where they say things like holding their grandchildren but I haven't been able to do that, you know, um, and, and those kind of things. So I think that there's been emotional impact on social workers this year and they've continued to go out and kind of try and manage a job which brings a lot of emotions and, and, and trauma and distress to it anyway in terms of what other people are experiencing. So there's something for me about how we help social workers think about self-care and how we think about how the workforce is going to recover. And I was working with a group the other day and they have to completely change how they're running their services. Um, there's uh, been some issues identified by Ofsted. There was a whole big list of things that need to happen. So they've done a vision. They've got a roadmap. They're ready to go, all of this. And one of them said, but I think there's got to be some acknowledgement here that we're really tired because we have continued to cover these homes and work with these children at great cost to our own personal safety. You know, mentally, that's how it's felt for us. We've been coming in and exposing ourselves every day and then going home to our families and trying to limit contact and not really knowing what, what we're bringing in and out of those homes. And here we're being asked to step up again to this new agenda and there was there's something about fatigue and recognizing that there's got to be a reasonable pacing and there's got to be some kind of acknowledgement of of um it's almost like we've got to have a national day <laughs> you know yeah i think that's right and the the evidence around recovery and rebuilding from disasters or shocks is that you do need to pay attention within that to the particular needs of the of the helping workforce you know the people who've been out doing the helping and also those who've been supporting them um, supervisors and managers and educators and people like yourself doing coaching work and that's because the the, the kind of shock waves if you want to use that sort of continue with that kind of analogy um, are contained to some extent but they they do permeate through and we we have a real kind of I guess I think we've got a backlog of containment. You know, we've got people who have been holding things for a really long time and they need to lay that down, some of that, mm. and and recover from it and have a rest um, before they start to pick themselves up and, and, and do the next thing, uh, which will be the rebuilding. And I, I want to pay particular tribute actually to students and new qualified sexual workers um, yeah. who, who have been on placement um, that suddenly turned into a virtual placement, had placements cancelled, gone from being halfway through a placement to, or partway through a course, to finding that they have to complete it and then go into the workforce into roles where they haven't met anyone face to face. They might go into an office and, and meet 
one or two people they're having to kind of contend with a really new experience and a really um, challenging kind of role within a challenging time without the same sort of support that we we've all been used to as we've qualified or as we've studied and they've been amazing and they've been amazing in supporting each other as well I think that's another thing to really acknowledge is that in the midst of its struggles and with the containment for the people that they've been working with social workers have also supported one another um, and I you know, social work is a is a collaborative uh, endeavor it's not an individual thing you can't do it on your own I don't think there's any piece of social work that I've ever done without other people helping me. And we've had to find different ways to find that help and seek that help. And I think, again, that, that needs acknowledgement, the the relational work and strain that that's, that's been too. So I think you're right. We have a lot to a lot to be proud of and a lot to recover from um, and a lot a lot that's being carried that needs to be um it needs to be laid down for a bit yeah 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 and um I agree with you about the students and the other group of people are the people who started new roles mm. moved into new jobs moved into new authorities in this time you know and so therefore have started a new role in their home meeting everybody virtually you know this is a, this is a really challenging you don't learn all the little um I was talking to someone yesterday who said, I don't know where any of the rooms are. They've not been in the building, you know, or they've been in the building to one place. Yeah. yeah. So lots of lots of stuff that we need to be holding, isn't it, um, about this. And then as well as that, there is just the wider changes that have been coming in. um, Brexit. Yeah, Yeah, that was all that all went through uh, end of January this last year sorry because it's because it's 2021 i am catching up still um yeah (laughs) yeah and that's and that's you know there's that kind of conversation has been happening in the background hasn't it with this with this whole context but that has an impact on social work as well Mm -hmm. because that really makes a difference for um people who are practicing over here from the eu or people who are practicing in the EU from here about their recognition of their qualifications. Um, you know, there's all that thoughtfulness about, well, do do I apply to stay here in England or, 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 you know, what happens there? There's been the whole issue around Northern Ireland, which is far from solved really, mm-hmm. um, and which will have, you know, could have a potential destabilising effect over there that would be I think calamitous, really. So there's there's something about how that's being handled and thought about in the midst of the swirl mm. of everything else. And I don't know that we've given enough time as a profession or even as a population to the impact of Brexit, actually, with all the other noise. Yeah, yeah I mean, when that kind of because it was it was actually this January 2021 that it was finally finalised and mm. uh, right at the end of the month. And I think the, the impacts are, are already really being felt. Um, but yes, as you say, that in the midst of a pandemic, it's all it's all mixed up, isn't it? Mm. I think the thing that, um, that social workers um, are really conscious of and have been from the, from the start of the process is the the destabilising impact of it, you know, the, um, yeah. the divisive impact of it. And that is particularly acute, as you say, in Northern Ireland, uh, where 
people live going across the borders. Mm. That's new. Um, yeah, so there's the, that's been a, a kind of a really um, profound thing that's been going on alongside COVID. Another really profound thing is the the US elections yes. in January, which kind of gripped everyone around the world, I think. Um, well, and the behaviour up to those, sorry, Jeff, for interrupting Jerry, but the behaviour up to the US elections and the kind of distress, the kind of world distress that was felt about the US response to COVID um, and the US response to um, the killing of George, George Floyd and things like that. I think that there's been a huge impact um, on the world from um, the US kind yeah. of lead and tone. Yeah, from the executive that, that was in place until the Trump yeah. um, administration that was in place until January. I try really hard not to say his yeah. name there. And also. then there was the, the follow-up, <laughs> um, obviously kind of shocks around um, the, you know, with the, the non-acceptance by some people of the of the election results. Yeah. Um, storming of the Capitol. So we, yeah, we've seen some really turbulent times and that's, mm. and that's you know, we, we talk about America because America and, and the UK do um, do you have uh, close communication? We do kind of get a lot of news from the US, but if you look at um, really any country across the world, there's been turbulence, hasn't there? There's been struggle um, and there's been some really profound issues with responding to the pandemic and with responding to um, political upheaval mm. in, lot, in many places. Um, alongside that, of course, we have the climate change um emergency which is increasing really in urgency as as months go by and um it's great to see that the united states has rejoined the paris agreement you know i don't know how much sense of urgency there needs to be before before oh, we make Jerry, some significant progress but i yeah. just and i think we have this feeling like it's waiting for us like we just need to, we just need to deal with COVID and we need to do this and so we can just press the pause button on climate change that's kind of a little bit how it feels but of course it's galloping along um and and people like David Attenborough but many others are saying Greta Thunberg many others are saying actually we're getting into the too late stage um and that's that's a hard thing to hear but uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. What and to alongside say about that, that the other thing to talk about in terms of the context, well, I'm, I've been particularly interested in over the last year is sort of scientific breakthroughs that we've had, and I think yes. the vaccine, again, it's a COVID-related thing, but it has been a real um, example of science. You know, wonderful science. Yeah. People seeing a problem, applying all their human ingenuity and technological um, ingenuity and skill to that and coming up with something that actually could be profoundly significant across a, you know, a, a kind of whole range of, of health issues. And the other thing that's been really awesome has been the Perseverance rover landing on Mars. And no, I'd like to say I agree with you, Jerry. Yeah. Isn't I've that just fantastic? It. I'm watching yeah. the um, the guys in um, you know, in the control centre, kind of hoping that it would, you know, hoping yeah. and expecting that it would work, and knowing that they couldn't do anything once they, you know, once it was underway. I was thinking that is a difficult day at work. Yeah, um, but again, I think that, that's yeah, fantastic. yeah, it's that. That, that kind of reaching of hopefulness, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. that lovely. Some of the, some of the lovely endeavours have been all about hope, 
um, and, and ingenuity together. And, and I think that that's been so important. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we do most nights is check up on, on, the, on the photos. On from its the Twitter account. Like which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's also been Buzzword Heritage Year this year. So it's been a really strange year to be chair of Buzzword. It's 50th anniversary year, which will run through till June. And in that whole year, it's very likely that I won't have seen a single Buzzword member other than virtually. Um, but again, 50 years of Basware, 50 years really of social work in the UK, because it's you know, 1970 was the Seabone reforms, which really kind of established local uh, social services. That's something to be positive about. And, you know, in the midst of all this kind of turbulence, there are some things that, that do stay you know, social work has stayed. Um, social work has remained uh, a, I think, a force for good and with lots of work to do, clearly, but with things to celebrate. And we've launched a new vision and mission for Baswa to really talk about the three areas of work around supporting social workers and strengthening what social work means and also the impact that it has on our society. And alongside that, we're obviously looking ahead to what social work will look like post-pandemic, um, what a, a social work that really fulfills its potential would look like, the community aspect of it, the therapeutic aspect of it. Um, you know, if, if social workers were really supported to do the great work that they could do, what that would look like across the board. Mm. Um, and we have a number of reviews going on in the UK, government-led reviews rather than professional-led reviews. And I think that's um, that's an important thing for the profession to contribute to. Uh, we also need to have a really strong uh, vision and an actualised practice that is social work-led, uh, that's co-produced with people who have lived experience of social work that says this is what social work could be mm. um, so that it's not dictated by what government says it is um, yeah yep that's that's a good vision jerry that's a good vision i like it yeah and i think to help us we have a world social work day world social work month uh, which yes. we're in the midst of at the moment and with this this um, international federation of social workers theme ubuntu I am because we are and there's been lots and lots of um, learning around this month about what that all means um, and it, there's a couple of really positive things about that. One is the recognition of diverse worldviews mm. and the potential to to learn from other cultures and other philosophies and um, it's wonderful that our African colleagues have have shared their philosophy with us, I think um, that's a really positive thing. And there's also a real uh, scope from the connection between Ubuntu as, an, as a vision for humanity and common humanity and the social development goals that we have from the United Nations and the way that social work operates, even when it's constrained, to try mm. to uphold human dignity and communities. So, yeah. That's and I think that's I think fantastic that, that, as you say, that um, our African colleagues have have led on that. Um, one of the things uh, in the 
workshop I was in the other day was we all had to make a pledge. Um, and one of the things that I pledged was that every time I wrote something or had a platform at all, that I would actually look for um, work of um, black people and people of colour to put into my put into my own work so that I was making sure that I was, um, you know, making sure that those diverse voices were heard because it's really interesting how we can celebrate World Social Work Day from from a very ethnocentric point of view if we want to. Mm. Um, and so being able to bring that diversity right front and centre, I think, is so important because there's so much rich work out there and rich learning for us to do um, from other cultures. Um, so we need to talk a little bit about what's been helpful and hopeful from the year to take forward. I think we've touched on that already, but I'll I'll go first. Um, okay. So the things that have helped me get through this year have been the things I guess we talked about last March, which is using evidence and learning and really thinking ethically and, um, you know, staying on that firm ground of our of our ethics and um, human rights approach to, to identify how best to support people. Um, and for me, that's kind of removed from direct practice. It's supporting people to support people. But that mm. kind of gives you a, a focus um, if you think about the ethics always. Um, and collaboration as the other thing that's kind of got me through really connecting with people, encouraging people being encouraged that kind of reciprocal support has been as you said at the start really fantastic and the things that I think are hopeful are what we've learned about what social work can be and and is um, what we've learned from different countries there's been some really good work published by the International Federation of Social Workers um, I do feel that the, the solid foundations of our um, of our ethics, um, of human rights practice, of anti-oppressive practice, we've kind of come back to those. And mm. isn't it wonderful that in a crisis we've got something so strong to hold on to? Um, I think the alliances between, um, amongst social workers, uh, so for example, you've talked about activism around anti-racism, alliances around that, and alliances between social workers and people with lived experience, um, both for to help people thrive but also to fight oppression I think those have grown and the other thing that's really hopeful for me is that BAS was growing so our professional association in the UK has got more members than it's ever had and that's a place where we can really create what social work should be um, and strive to make that possible in the political environment that we find ourselves in. Yeah, so um, I, I agree with all those things you said. And, and when I kind of thought about, well, what's got me through the year, the principle of do no harm and social work being a human rights profession are two of the really strong tenets that have helped me in my decision making, but in my kind of work, um, in my responses to people. Um, I found that to just kind of, you know, being able just to talk about those things with people has been so important for me. Um, in my heart, it's really been the kind, kindness and compassion, um, two behaviours which I've received in abundance from people. You know, I, I find people to be such hopeful, helpful creatures, really. 
Um, and I really want everyone to have the same experience of the people who surround them. So I think that that comes back to that idea of, you know, us all being able to experience experience the good in people and, and looking at communities and how we can strengthen communities to make to make that possible. So connectivity has been a really big one for me. You know, how do we stay connected to people when we're physically separated, but how do we connect people in communities? And one of the things I found very hopeful is um, the building of um, volunteering and um, the building of communities and community responses. And I'd really love to see social work taking advantage of those community movements that have sprung up around COVID and thinking, how can we help strengthen these even more? How can we get out there and encourage these and support these and, and bring more people into them? Um, so, you know, and, and my team has worked really hard this year to keep social care staff connected to each other. And um, re so relationship has really been the last principle that's kept me going. Um, and then the last thing I'd like to say about hopefulness is the rightful challenge to children's social work about how we understand and respond to people in poverty who are parents, I think has been really inspiring. I really love the work that Breed Featherstone and Paul Bywater are doing around this. And I think that we in children's services should be talking about and thinking about and challenging ourselves and stretching ourselves as far as we can to really think about that system and respond actively to the review that's going on. Mm. I think it's right to both recognise all the work that still has to do and also celebrate what is good in social work uh, so that mm. our aspirations aren't just wishes. They're, you know, we, we aspire because we know there's work to be done, but we also aspire because we know that there's scope to do it. Mm. There's real potential. And um, you said last year that it was important to remain hopeful. This is in, in March last year when we did our last review of the year and recognise that this is a time that will too pass. And you also said, I would like to think that we'll build something good out of this time because adversity is often when humans do their best work. How do you feel about that now? I, I think I think we are doing some of our best work. I mean, I think there, there's huge challenges. Um, but like I said, I, I continue to be inspired by other people that I meet every day. I'm much more hopeful and inspired by my encounters with people than I have been for, for in the year, in years past, to be quite honest. Um, there is an energy out there that comes from dealing with adversity. And it's about how we harness it. What, what I would hate to see happen is for us to go back to business as normal. Mm. Um, the shops are open. Uh, the pubs are open. Everybody gets busy again. Everybody, everybody, it's about the, how do we keep the kindness going and the connectivity going um, and the purposefulness, mm. you know, to, to, to drive that change. Yeah, and that fashion, and I think that uh, yeah. that's something that we do together, don't we? All of it, um, because uh, people will have tired days, and they'll have passionate mm. days, and they'll have energized days, and they'll have Absolutely. days when they'll just need to lay it down. And if we can keep connected, then we can keep the momentum and look out for each other. Mm. And that's nice, Jerry, because how you've ended there for me, you're right. This is not an individual. This is not an individual game. 
life is not an individual game. It's a connected game. You know, we need each other. Yeah, so let's keep connecting and keep helping um, and keep looking out for how we can help others and be helped ourselves, keep asking for help and keep in mind all those things to be hopeful about. Yes. Thank you, everyone. That's been a bit of a longie, hasn't it? But you know something, guys? It's been a big year. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. there was lots to think about. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. That's been that's been. I'll lovely. see you for Series 6 then. Yeah. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.